Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello everyone, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm glad that you joined me. Tonight I wanted to talk about the Great Commission. Tonight I wanted to talk about the Great Commission and about Hello everyone, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm really glad you joined me. I want to talk a little bit tonight about the Great Commission. It shouldn't be too long, but I wanted to share some things with you that I felt the Lord had put on my heart to share. So here I am. The Great Commission, the word commission is defined as an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. So it's not a suggestion. That basically means, you know, suggestion, which I can look up as well for you, but suggestion basically is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. Because suggestion definition is an idea, hold on, the action of suggesting somebody or suggesting something. Um, Basically, suggestion is you might want to do something, not you need to do something or I'm instructing you or commanding you to do something. which is what a commission is, like I just read to you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm really glad you joined me. I wanted to talk tonight about the Great Commission. I feel like the Lord put that on my heart to share a little bit about the Great Commission and also share some of my own experience with it and personal testimonies. So commission, the definition of commission is instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. So that's different from suggesting like you might want to do this or it's saying you should do this. So there's a difference. I'm going to be reading Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I'm reading for the King James Authorized. So when you see the word spake, it just means spoke. If you see the word ye, it just means you. Pretty sure it does anyway, but um, things like that. Try not to let them bother you too much. And you can always take this scripture, this verse, and you can look it up in a different version if that helps you. Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So, <clears throat> Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part, parts of the earth. I'm going to be right back for a quick station identification, and a song by Leland is called Tears of the Saints, and then I will be right back to talk to you a little bit more, and be right back.
Now, the book of Romans has a lot of scripture that you can use to uh, read to people and explain to them. The book of Romans has a lot of scripture that you can read to the unsaved or backslidden and explain to them the road to salvation. Some call it the Roman road. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And finally... Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And those scriptures again were Romans 3.10 Five eight six twenty three and ten nine verse nine and chapter ten verse thirteen. In Luke ten verse two, it says, "Therefore said he unto them, This is." Jesus basically when he says, say, said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So a lot of times we can pray that and and then we can actually one you know, we pray for the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. So a lot of times he Ask us to be that labor and send us into the harvest. There was a time that I felt that I I couldn't really... Everything was so complicated with... Well, religion can make it complicated as to wondering what's the right way to pray for somebody to lead them to Jesus. And so I took a training 
course or a training, just a training about how to do it from people that were more experienced than me and had a lot of know-how and things like that. So I took a a training and um, the revival.com and uh, Revival Ministries and they have in that in that training part of what I learned was the gospel soul, soul winning script and it has uh, a lot of the Roman scriptures in there but it's written in such a way that is is simple um, a lot of times when people witness uh, they want to try to explain something or or they may start arguing, um, trying to have the other person see what they're saying is true. But when you have the gospel soul winning script, if you you just stick to the script and you just read it from the script, and then uh, when you're reading it, you just follow the script, what the script instructs you to do. Which I'm gonna t- I'm gonna read the script to you in just a moment. But you just read it. And the person, when you're reading it, you know, will come stand and look at what you're reading as you're reading it. And it helps you just to stay focused on the main thing and not veer off. Like they may ask you a question about something and you may get in a debate or something. This just keeps you focused on the main thing. So we just read it and I'm going to start it now. When you when you, when you you walk up to this person... You just take this, this soul-winning scripture in your hand and you just read it. Say, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and that he has a wonderful plan for your life? And then, of course, you wait for them to answer. You know, or just read the script and not give them an opportunity to answer. It wouldn't really flow very well. But um, you wait for them to answer. And they may, a lot of people, you'd be surprised they know. They don't know that. Uh, some people may say yes, but a lot I come in contact with actually say no. And then after they've answered, you say, I have a real quick but important question to ask you. If you were to die this very second, do you know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you would go to heaven? And then you pause for a second for them to think and answer. And in parentheses here, it says, if yes, like if they say yes, you say, great, why would you say yes? And it says, if they respond with anything but, I have Jesus in my heart, or something similar to that, then you proceed with the script. Or if they say no, or even if they say, I hope so, then you proceed with the script. Um, now, if they do say yes, Um, you may you may say, well, why why do you say yes? And they say, well, I'm a good person. But you know, you don't get into heaven by being a good person. Uh, you don't. You may not tell them all that, but if they say I'm a good person, you say, well, that's great. We need a lot more good people in the world, and then just proceed with the script. If they say, oh, well, I go to church all the time, and um, I try I try to go there. As much as possible, and but you know, being in a car garage doesn't make you a, a car, and being in an airplane doesn't make an airplane kind of thing. Just because you're in that area doesn't automatically mean 
that you say, but you don't say all that stuff to them. Basically, if they say yes, and you say, well, that's great. Well, why do you say yes? And if they don't, if they say anything else, but because I have Jesus in my heart, I love him, I know I'm going to heaven, then you just keep going with the script. Now that we've got all that situated, so the last part we read is um, asking them, you know, if they'd know they'd go to heaven. And so proceeding with the script, let me quickly share with you what the Holy Bible reads. It reads, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also reads, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're a whosoever, right? Of course you are. All of us are. Okay, when you finish with that, uh, you continue with the script. This is, if you were holding one in your hand, this would actually be on, on the reverse side of it. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord, bless, and then you fill in their name. Like, like when you walk up to them, you say hi, you know, just ask their name and proceed with the script. So I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord, bless James and his or, his or her family with long and healthy lives. Jesus, make yourself real to him and do a quick work in his heart. If James does not receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, I pray he will do so now. Saying that prayer for them gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move, not that he can't move before, but you're actually praying for this person that they will that Lord will soften their heart and and that they'll receive him as their Lord and Savior, that they'll have a di- di- direct encounter with the Holy Spirit. So it gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move, and it makes this person feel good that you're praying for them. So um, now continuing with the script, James, if you would like to receive the gift that God has for you today, say this after me with your heart and lips out loud. So basically when you say lips out loud, it just means basically repeat this prayer after me, but mean it with your heart. And then, uh, dear Lord Jesus, 
come into my heart. Now, you have to pause a little bit and give them a chance to say because they're going to be repeating it after you. So um, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Now, after that, you say, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you today that all of your sins are forgiven. Always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you and has a great plan for your life. So, and then that's the end of the script and in it, in the parentheses after that it says invite them to your church and get follow-up info like name address phone number whatever they feel comfortable sharing with you so that you have at least a phone number even an email that you could touch base with them and that you can follow up with them now obviously the holy spirit follows up everybody if nobody ever follows up with them but uh you know, you're going to want to try to get some information so that you can see how they're doing, if they have any questions, if you want, if they need to ride to church, if they want to meet you at church, so that you can help them in their new Christian walk or their return to Christian walk. So um, this, when I when I learned about the gospel soul winning script, when I first heard about it, first learned about it, and saw my first training on it, uh, then they don't just teach you. They're like, let's go out and do. <laughs> you don't just sit there and, and have the head knowledge and the heart knowledge. You just go out and do it as well and experience it. So I was like, okay. And um, the first place I ever learned was actually in a retirement home. And they took us to a nursing home. And we were given permission to knock on the doors and, and you know, if they, if they let us come in, we'd go in and pray with them. Now you're instructed, yes, these people, a lot of them are lonely, and but um, when they're teaching the soul winning class, they teach you to try to make it as brief as possible because there are a lot of people, a lot of, you know, nursing, a lot of people in the nursing home, but that some of them, you know, they might not, last that long on the earth it might be they might be time for them to die basically and so you want to go as quickly as possible and save as many as you can so even though that person is lonely you, you're very tempted to stay and visit with them and help them it's best to keep it quick you know simple to the point and actually for the nursing home they have different soul winning script they have basically they don't go through this whole prayer that, like I told you, is very brief prayer. Um, there's actually a nursing home soul winning script that, that teaches you on that. It's 
just worded differently, um, a little bit differently, not as long. And But it's very important. Oh, and we were also taught um, shake them and wake them, even though they didn't literally mean shake them like, <laughs> violently. They're just basically saying, you know, call their name or talk to them or until they wake up because really a lot of them aren't really sleeping because they're tired and some of them aren't even sleeping. They're just, uh, they don't really have any thing to do. You know, they don't have anybody to come visit them most of the time. Most of them don't. And uh, so they're just basically there because they got nothing else better to do. They're sleeping because, you know, escape or there's nothing better to do. So, um, it's very important to try to, to get their attention, um, even briefly. Like I said, that's why the soul winning script for nursing homes is shorter because um, to get the attention span and everything. Um, as I mentioned before, it's very important to make sure it's as quick as possible um, and get as many as you can because there have been a few stories, unfortunately, of some people that... Uh, they didn't um, uh, follow that instruction uh, to the letter, and I guess they felt sorry for the person, and the person had a lot of needs and kept talking to them, and and the person that was witnessing to them uh, stayed longer than they really should have, like maybe 10 minutes or maybe even longer. And so after they left, they went to the next door by this person that they were witnessing to and visiting for too long. And as they're walking to the next door, they were coming out with a gurney and a sheet covering a body. The person died while they were in the room with this other person uh, taking too long. And can you imagine how they felt? Um, yeah, that person might have been safe for all we know, but they might not have. They might have needed that extra prayer, that extra time. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just trying to give you an example of why it's so important to go through. Because there are other times if you find somebody along the way and you can go in nursing homes to visit and witness and you find somebody that you really want to um, visit, by all means, take their room number, go back and visit with them, spend time, say, well, I've got a lot of people to talk to today. I really need to go and pray with them, but but I can come back and visit you later. I can call you or something. And then they don't feel so bad. So um, there are a lot of, I I remember when I was uh, in the nursing home and I was was praying with people and I was doing the gospel soul winning script a lot of them a lot of them were very receptive. They prayed the prayer. Uh I do remember this one lady that um she I guess was kinda of like uh she had some physical problems and she couldn't really talk. But she could blink, you know, once for yes, twice for no, or whatever it was. And so I, I proceeded with the scripture, and I I told her, well, if you want to repeat this prayer after me, and I'll just um, blink 
once for yes. And she says, you know, she blinked once. So I was like, great. She wants to pray it, but she can't physically speak. But, you know, our soul, our spirit still, you know, God can still hear us. We can still say it in our thoughts, you know, in our spirit. So I would say, uh, dear Lord Jesus, and then she would blink. And then, you know, I keep going. She blinked. She blinked her way to salvation. It was pretty, pretty, really, actually beautiful. Um, there was another one, another person that couldn't uh, really do all that, and they squeezed my hand. So, you know, with the blinking, one was blinking, one was squeezing the hands um, as part of the prayer. A lot of them, um, I remember there was an Alzheimer's unit and it's amazing because when you go to pray in the Alzheimer's unit, it's like God brings them out of that confusion and that state, that Alzheimer's state. It's like they're lucid long enough to hear the the, the witnessing, the gospel and and willingly receive them as Lord and Savior and then few minutes later they're back in that world so it's it's really amazing um but uh, now some examples of i i did one or two nursing homes first and then a couple other times i came to the training because they do training every time and then you could then i went out on the streets for the first time and it happened to be um, in the New York area, and we were witnessing, I guess, at a courthouse with different people. Some people either didn't have time to listen or they didn't want to listen, uh, which is another thing, actually, by the way, is if you're, if they say, oh, I'm in a hurry, i got to go in there walking, just walk with them and um, preach as long as you can, you know, and, and ask them if they want to receive the, you know, Jesus, and if someone's in a hurry or if you're going through a drive-thru and you're witnessing to them at the drive-thru, you don't really have time to read the whole prayer. If they say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, that's enough right there. They just ask him to be their Savior. If you're at a red light and you're witnessing to somebody in the car beside you, the light's going to change. By, you know, you, you're still going to be reading the script. So if you just roll down the window and say, hey, has anybody ever told you God loves you, has a great plan for their, your life, and they may say yes or no or whatever, or you can just say, if you want to make sure, or you can just say, if you want to make sure that if you died right now, you go to heaven, just pray this after me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And then, you know, you've got a couple more seconds, and then the light changes green. I've done that. A lot of times at, at red lights, I've, um, I've 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 motioned to them to roll down their window. I said, "Hey, I got great news for you. God loves you. Has a great plan for your life. If you were to die right now, do you know beyond the shadow of doubt you go to heaven?" And they kind of look at me, but then they're like, "No." And I said, "Well, just make sure. Repeat this after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus,' and they say, Dear Lord Jesus.'" Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm like, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm like, well, God, you, all your sins are forgiven you. You're loved. And then the light changes, and we and they look at me, and there you can tell there's a whole change. And they're like really surprised that this happened at a red light. 
and it changes to green, we, we wave at each other and then they go on with their lives. So you can't always read the whole script in situations like that. Um, so you just have to follow the Holy Ghost. You know, if you're at the drive-thru, like I said, you're going to have a line of cars honking behind you, and then you're going to get the, the the worker in trouble, and they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. So you just kind of have to go with the flow in certain situations. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means that, you know, at some other point in time, they'll pray the, this long prayer. But um, anyway, back to the courthouse. Um, the next day, we're at a different part. We were downtown or one of the towns, the cities. Um, in New York, um, might have been Long Island or something like that, but it wasn't the city, it was outside the city. And I'm waiting for, I pushed the, the walk button and it was taking forever to change. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see somebody kind of walking up, kind of darting away behind stuff. It was almost like, I was thinking, what is going on? It's like, are they trying to avoid me or what's going on? And I was just thinking, what is so they came up and and started talking. They said, "Well, oh, hi, it's you. Remember, I they said I was at the courthouse yesterday, and and uh, you you asked me if I knew that God loved me and had a great plan for me. I said, I'm sorry, but I had to go into court, and uh, I'm on my way to see my parole officer. And I said, this light is taking forever. He says, well, around here, he, he says I call them coffee break lights because you can take a coffee break and have your lunch by the time they change. So let me try to walk across there with you. He was on his way to see his parole officer. Um, but before he said all that, I witnessed him again and told him God loved him. And um, he said the prayer this time. And as he sang the prayer, he had on these really dark mirror sunglasses. And as he's starting to repeat the prayer, you could see is um, starting to, you know, tear up uh, because the tears came down from the sunglasses and he's kind of quivering, you know, and, um, but he was very touched and blessed. And, and then after he said the coffee break light and we walked across and then, um, he went on his way. Um, now, like I said earlier, some people say, well, don't you follow up with them, get their information. I got their information, handed it to the church. And sometimes if you had a red light, or you had a drive-through, and you're praying with somebody, you can't always get their information because you may not have time before the light turns green. <laughs> or, you know, so, but trust the Holy Spirit that he's going to put somebody in their life to follow them up and show them to the right church. But really, he's their follow-up, but he will put people in their lives to help them and instruct them. I remember... There are some times that I need to go maybe uh, to a different city where I lived. And by plane, it would have taken maybe an hour or so, you know, maybe an hour and a half. But by bus, it took like between six and eight hours to go to that next city. And I chose the bus because I wanted to witness to the people and win souls. A lot of these... uh, the gospel summoning script is also done in the form of a survey. If you're unable to use it, you know, you could just hand this person a piece of paper and say, would you mind filling this out for me? Or, you know, it's a long bus ride. Here's something for you to to, to do while you're, while you're, you know, riding along. 
uh, I was able to win quite a lot of, of souls that way. Um, I do remember this one gentleman as I'm talking to him, and I'm witnessing to him and telling him how much God loved him, and he got kind of teary-eyed because he said he was just going through a divorce and he's on a bus to go, I guess, away from his wife, you know, or whatever, and uh, you could tell he had a hard time with it, and I just prayed for him and for comfort and and uh, peace, and and he said this salvation prayer, and and then um, as we went to the next, uh, you know, I could tell he was very touched, and, and when we finally got to the destination, you could tell that he was just very grateful and like he had more peace about him. And I remember also stopping at one of the buses stopped at the Huntsville location uh, just beyond the prison where they kill a lot of, you know, they execute a lot of their prisoners uh, on death row because that's um, where they execute most of them in Texas. So I think it's got the highest, one of the highest uh, death row or death death rates, execution rates in, in, of any prison. Anyway, I was outside of there, and a lot of these prisoners were just, um, there were two Greyhound buses full of prisoners that just got out. Obviously, these aren't death row prisoners, but they're prisoners on the same, well, ex-prisoners. And they were on the bus, and we, like, just got there just in time. And I was, because I, we're, as we're pulling up, we were delayed a little bit, and I'm like, Lord, please delay the buses, it looks like they're going to pull out or something. And he actually did delay it because somebody couldn't find their change or their ticket or something like that. And so as we got there, I asked one of the, I asked the driver of one of the buses if I could get up and I could, I could pray for the bus, you know, the whole bus. And she says, sure, no problem. And I asked, uh, so I got up on the bus and all these guys, full of guys, because <clears throat> they just got out of the male prison. And so I got up there. I started with the, the scripture, um, you know, I mean, the, the um, script. And I said, has anybody ever told you God loves you, has a great plan for your life? This one guy goes, he loves you too, baby. I love you too. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I just kind of had to just like blow that off and smiled and giggled and kept on going with the script. <laughs> and as I did, you know, and they stopped chuckling and they listened and and the whole bus uh, repeated the prayer after me. They all got saved. Um, when I went to, it was really, it was, it was, it was so exhilarating. It was awesome. And I prayed for them real quick um, for their start back at life and that God helped them with their new start and. Um, and then I went to the other bus that was right next to it, and I asked the, the bus driver, I said, um, can I pray for your, your, your bus? And she goes, um, no. I says, okay. I was kind of disappointed, but I'm like, Lord, please um, open our hearts so that I can pray for those people. And I went inside, and she was inside and somebody else, and the holdup was somebody somebody's money or ticket was missing or something like that. And... Um, so we're sitting there, and I'm praying a little bit, and I 
I was kind of nervous, but I just let the Holy Spirit take her. I said, ma'am, are you sure, not, you, sure you won't let me um, pray for everybody on your bus? Um, she goes, oh, is that what you wanted to do? I said, yes. She goes, oh, I thought you wanted to do something else. You know how it is. Some women come and they want to just get with the ex-cons or whatever. She thought I was, you know, trying to solicit the guys or something. But um, anyway, so she let me pray, and I said, okay, great. So I'll go do that now while you're in here. And so I went on the bus, and I prayed for everybody and with everybody, and and um, they all they all repeated the prayer after me. I think it was like 70 people on each bus or something like that or something like that. It was a large amount. It was several years back, but... Um, just think of a Greyhound bus, you know, coach bus, uh, two of them. And then uh, I came, when I was finished, I came back inside. Um, inside the, uh, you know, the waiting area. And it's funny because whoever had, I guess, stolen the money or the ticket, all of a sudden, they came back with that money. Plus, people started taking a collection for the ticket. The people got convicted because they said the prayer, and they 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 wanted to make it right. So everybody got what they needed, and they headed on out, and they drove drove away. But those are some ones I I really uh, I really remember. Um, that's that. For now, you know, they stick out and come to mind when I share my own experiences with that. Um, You know, it's very, uh, you know, when you think about it, it's like a ripple effect because um, Billy Graham, the the person that uh, when he answered the altar call, I think he was like the only one that answered. And um, the person that, that... you know, led him in the prayer and the salvation prayer at the altar. They may have thought, "Oh, I've only got just one person. That's not a lot of people." But then look at how many people, how many souls that Billy Graham was responsible for leading to the Lord. All of that goes to the account of the person that led him to Jesus. So and you may and you know when you when you pray with one person, um, it is you know they also go out and they 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 witness to people they lead people to Jesus so it's like that ripple effect and you know you may think well I'm only one person what can I do how many people can I really reach, uh, what difference can I make? I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) Um, Because there is a man that the witness on George Street in, I believe it was Australia, and he never knew until uh, the end of his life the impact that he made on on those people until, you know, somebody found out all this thing. It tells you what I'm about to play for you. 
it's amazing the difference that just one person can make and how that ripple effect happens. You know, I was thinking about one of the times I witnessed to this to this group of people and then this one uh one gentleman he's homeless and I was witnessing to him and he received the Lord and I said, Here's some gospel sowing scripts and surveys. Why don't you go out and let other people know about it and your friends and and we hadn't even left in the car, and you could see him running to everybody on the street, witnessing to them, praying for them, and it was just amazing. So I'm going to play this for you. It's about eight minutes or so, and this is what one person and the ripple effect and the Holy Spirit can do. I'll be right back with you in about eight or nine minutes. This message is non-copyright. Duplication is encouraged. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in southern London, the Sunday morning service was closing, and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand, he said, Excuse me, Pastor, can I share a little testimony? The pastor looked at his watch, he said, You've got three minutes. And this man proceeded. He said, I've just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London. I came from Sydney in Australia, and just a few months back I was visiting some relatives, and I was walking down George Street, you know where George Street is in Sydney, it runs from the business hub out to the rocks, the colonial area, and he said, a strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand, and he said, excuse me sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I was astounded by those words, nobody had ever told me that. I thanked him courteously, and all the way on British Airlines, back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area where I'm living now and thank God he was a Christian. He led me to Christ and I'm a Christian and I want a fellowship here. And Baptists love testimonies like it. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. And ten days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counseling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney. And just a couple of months back, I was visiting friends in Sydney, doing some last-minute shopping down George Street, and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, ma'am, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? She said, I was disturbed by those words. When I got back to Adelaide, I knew this Baptist church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I am a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice, within a fortnight, he'd heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach in the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth. And when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal. And he said, mate, how'd you get saved? He said, I grew up in this church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago, and an obnoxious spiteful little man stepped out of a stop shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with a question. Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I tried to tell him I was a Baptist elder. He wouldn't listen to me. He said, I was seeding with anger all the way home on Qantas to, to Perth. He said, I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathize with me, and my pastor agreed. He had been disturbed for years, knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right. And my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now this London preacher flew back to the UK 
and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District. And he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, we got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick Convention in the Caribbean, to missionaries. And he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, we got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. Coming back to London, he stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up, over a thousand of them, in soul winning, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was a rating on a United States battleship, and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific, and we docked in Sydney Harbour for replenishment. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk. I got on the wrong bus, got off in George Street. And <laughs> as I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly, white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, you're going to heaven. He said, the fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain. The chaplain led me to Christ. And I soon began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on soul winning today. That London preacher, six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man, took him home to his humble little home for a simple meal. And he said, how did you, as a Hindu, come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission. And I traveled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin, because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. He said, one bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney. And I was doing some last-minute shopping laden with parcels of toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet, and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? He said, I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town, I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me. But he gave me some advice. He said, just to satisfy your curious mind, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. And that was fatal advice. He said, because that day the missionary led me to Christ, I quit Hinduism immediately, and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we are winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, that Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gymea, southern suburb of Sydney. And he said to the Baptist minister, do you know a little man, an elderly little man, who witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do. His name is Mr. Genor, G-E-N-O-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment, knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down, made them some tea, and he was so frail, he was slopping tea into the saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. He said, I was a rating on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life, and in a crisis, I really hit the wall, 
And one of my colleagues, whom I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day. As God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill, I couldn't do it, but I made up for it for other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I have done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people. I got lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracks. And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. You know, I would say that has to be commitment. That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that. Not hearing of any results. Margarita did a little count. That's 146,100 people. That simple little non-charismatic Baptist man influenced somehow to Jesus. And I believe what God was showing that Baptist minister was the tip of the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out in the mission field. Mr. Genor died two weeks later. And can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt if his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine. I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Genor, but I'll tell you his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Genor, and you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory. Wow. <laughs> that is so powerful. Every time I hear it, I just get emotional and just... Uh, his faithfulness, not even hearing of one person over 40 years saying that. And then two weeks later, he dies. It was this, it's so beautiful. And also so powerful at how, we're, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm just one person. What can I do? And, oh, he just heard. You just never, never know. You never know. This is so amazing. That's actually called, I think it's uh, the George Street or something. You can look up George Street Witness or something, and maybe you can you can uh, download that if you want to and share it if you want. But I just want to encourage you that it's really, a lot of times we think, well, what do I have to offer? You know, I don't like my hair. I don't like my clothes or whatever, we're still conscious about something and we think, oh, they're not going to want to hear what I have to say or I can't say it right or it's really not us who's speaking our Heavenly Father who's speaking through us He's the one that does it if it was us, if it was really us doing it I don't think anybody gets saved they may with this but they, they wouldn't really, it wouldn't be Holy Ghost. So I encourage you to just push past insecurity and shyness and pray for boldness. Look in the, in the Bible and, you know, when Peter and them had prayed, the whole house was shaken and 
they're all filled with boldness. You know, just look for some scriptures. If you don't know scriptures, ask the Lord, say, I want to do this. I want to help you. Uh, when You know, I want to be a laborer. I want to do the Great Commission. Please give me boldness. Um, let me step aside and you take over. And he will. When I was on those those buses with the ex-prisoners, the prisoners that just got released, it was literally like I was standing outside myself watching myself, even though I couldn't see myself. But that's what it felt like. And I feel like that's because it was the Holy Spirit doing it, doing the work. And, you know, there's, there's, there's things that everybody or most people have insecurities about, but if you just follow the script, you just share it, you just read it and do what it says to do, and you just follow the Holy Ghost, you just let him do it. Give him control. It'll be a lot easier. And Father God, I just thank you right now for everyone listening. Father, I ask you to do a quick and a deep work in their hearts, Lord. Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are loved by you. Let them know that they are special and that they have value. And that you want to use them, God, and I know they want to be used by you. Lord, help them put aside their insecurities and complex and things like that, Lord. And just surprise them. Surprise them with with boldness that they never even dreamed possible. Love on them, God. Give them strength and grace and courage to do your will and the Great Commission and help them be who you want them to be and and do what you want them to do. I thank you for meeting them at the point of their need. I thank you for blessing them beyond measure. And I thank you for touching them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Thank you for being present in their lives, God. Make yourself real to them, your holy presence. And, Lord, thank you for healing them and meeting them at the point of their need. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through their lives. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I just wanted to let you know that there are some resources where you can find the soul winning script. Um, and also other, other soul winning scriptures. Uh, you can, you can, it's in different languages as well. There's even like a children's version, so Chinese and Afrikaans and all different languages. And there's the soul winning script. There's uh, just go to 
www.com, let's try that again, www.revival.com, that's R-E-V-I-V-A-L.com, forward slash soul winning tools, that's S-O-U-L-W-I-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-O-L-S. You can go to revival.com forward slash soul winning tools and you can download the script I was telling you about, the soul winning script. It's called the Gospel Soul Winning Script. It is, um, oh, and they actually have the training on here. You just click on it, it says Power Evangelism Soul Winning Training Class. Click on that and. Um, so it says, and then under the, it says, that's Power Evangelism Soul Winning Package. And then under that, it says Gospel Soul Winning Scripts, and you see the English version or whatever version you need, and that's the one I was telling you about. So, And these are all free, um, and you can download them and copy and share them with people. So um, I encourage you to go there for your resources and um, let me see here, the last minute things I want to share with you before I go. Um, let me see. Um, I think I've told you just about everything that I wanted to share with you that I felt the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to share with you. Uh, I want to give people a chance to Receive the Lord as their Savior or rededicate their lives as well really quickly um, before we end. Um, Father, I thank you for the people listening. And as you've heard, if you listen from the beginning, God loves you. He has a great plan for your life. And are you sure that if you died right now, you're sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? If you're not sure, you know, the Holy Bible reads, we have all sinned, fallen short of the, the uh, fallen short, and, okay. So, as you may know, the Holy Bible reads, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wage of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also reads, For whoever, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're whosoever, right? Of course you are. We all are. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord, bless these wonderful people listening and their family with long and healthy lives. Jesus, make yourself so real to them and do a quick work in their hearts. If they have not yet received Jesus as their Lord and Savior or they want to rededicate their lives, I pray they will do so now. Amen. Now, to those listening, if you would like to receive the gift that God has for you today, 
say this with, with your heart, mean it with your heart and your lips out loud, just repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead. You're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. A hunger for the things of God. And a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you today that all your sins are forgiven you. Always remember to run to God and not from God. Because he loves you and has a great plan for your life. Amen. And I'm excited for you. Remember to, to find a local church if, uh, and get established there and, and read the Bible. If you're uh, not in a country where Christianity is legal and you're meeting in underground churches, um, pray. Uh, if you're not, if, if you're in a country that's not Christ friendly and not Christian friendly, and there's no legal public churches, pray. Just keep praying. Ask the ask the Lord to send you to to bring somebody across your path that will lead you to an underground church, and He'll do it. Just have to follow him, trust him, and, and he'll take you. He'll bring you to the right place for you. He, he knows what you need and how to do it. Just trust him to keep you safe and to help you, and he'll do that. You know, on one last final note, I was thinking about, I was praying for this, and I ran into some people at the store one time, and I was um, witnessing, I asked them, you know, do you know for sure you go go to heaven? And um, he's like, well, I've shot at people before. Uh, they said, I mean, I don't think I would go to heaven. I said, well, you know, I mean, if you really are sorry about that, then God's going to forgive you, and you'll be okay. And so as I'm praying for him, uh, he started to repeat the prayer, and and uh, as I said, uh, as this is, um, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins. And he repeated that. And he says, forgive me of all my sins and all the people that I shot at and shot. And so I said that, yes, Lord, um, thank you for forgiving him of all his sins and all the people he shot. And he kept praying the prayer. It was really, really neat because you could see this hard exterior of sin and I guess if he you know shot people he's obviously a murderer so that we could see all of that just go in this prayer and one final one I promise because it just got quickened to me I was praying for somebody else in a store and I was, I was witnessing to them they were drunk they were stumbling all over the place so I went over and and uh, witnessed to them prayed for them and they prayed the prayer after me they meant it it was amazing because they went from drunk to sober like 
with every word that they prayed. They could see the 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 stupor on their face and their uh, of being drunk and smelling like alcohol to just going to just being plain sober. And even they were surprised. They even said, "I'm sober." <laughs> it was so amazing, but. Um, I'm glad that you joined me. I'm I'm glad that you're here and keep coming back to listen to the Word of God and and I just I I love you and I pray for you and I pray for those that are in underground churches and that the Lord keep you safe and uh, hidden from the enemy for everyone. Um, but know that God loves you. He He absolutely loves you so much. He has a great plan for your life. You are the apple of his eye. He's enthralled with your beauty. If you were the only one in the world, he still would have died for you. still would have left everything come to what he did just for you if you were the only one in the world. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. And... I love you, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand and envelop you in his love.
Operate on me, operate on me, 